All right, well, it's that time again for another Texas Country Sessions podcast. It's Dean with you here. Thanks for tuning in, listening, and uh, supporting the podcast. The Aaron Watson episode has more downloads than any of them that uh, we've done so far, so that's really cool. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, this is a really good conversation that I had uh, with Radney Foster. Uh, He was... uh, Called into the show last week uh, to talk a little bit about a show coming up Saturday, November 5th. So I'm um, recording this on uh, Thursday morning, uh, November 3rd, around 10 a.m. If you uh, are hearing this before Saturday, uh, Radney and Darden Smith will be at the Barnhill Center in Brenham, Texas on uh, Saturday, 7 o'clock. Tickets are still available. I did check late last night, and there were still a few tickets available. So if you want to grab up a couple of them, let's make this thing a sellout. Uh, it's going to be a really, really cool show, uh, acoustic song swap kind of a deal between Radney and Darden. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We'll talk a little bit about that in this episode. And then, uh, yeah, really interesting conversation, getting to kind of dive into the mind of one of the greatest songwriters to ever walk on this earth, man. Uh, what a great conversation. What a great dude. Uh, great human, Radney Foster. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with the great and powerful, the one and only Radney Foster. We are joined on the studio line by Radney Foster. And, uh, sir, thank you, first of all, uh, so much for taking the time to uh, call you're in welcome. and chat today. Yeah, you're very welcome. So you got a, a pretty cool show coming up uh, here in Brenham uh, with Darden Smith doing the uh, the acoustic set. Um, talk a little bit about that show and which, uh, what folks can expect uh, to come when they come see you at the Barnhill Center. You know, that's going to be really fun because Darden and I have written tons of songs together and you know he's from Brenham he's, he's a hometown boy and so I know that's a big deal but it's going to be the two of us on stage together and going back and forth uh, with you know one of my songs one of his songs and then but also the stories that you know really inspired that you know, that, that that got the dang thing written in the first place so everything from uh, uh, you know hits I've written for other people to the hits that I had myself on the radio and uh, and some of the crowd favorites that have just been album cut, you know, songs that were never really a single, but they just had had such impact that that uh, you know I, I get in trouble if I don't play them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, that's that's got to be tough, you know, as an artist. You have a, as a songwriter, I'm sure you have a select uh, few songs that maybe didn't gain sort of the, the critical acclaim that others had, but they're, they mean a lot to you. And those songs that you, sure. you know, you've probably got thousands upon thousands of songs from over the years, and you get to break out some of those maybe lesser heard tracks and maybe sure. uh, expose somebody to them. Yeah, and, and also, you know, there's, there are the tracks that, that uh, you know, a really good example is Angel Flight. It was never really a single, you know. It was never intended to be a single. But that song spread like wildfire through the military community. And it's almost, it's in almost every single show that I do because it's, a, you know, it's about um, the flights that, that the military makes to bring their fallen brethren home. And it was really written about, some national guardsmen from Texas who, uh, you know, who didn't make it back. I mean, who, you know, uh, you know, their bodies were brought home to their families. And, you know, so, uh, it's a really moving song. And, and like I said, it was never a single, but man, every single Memorial and Veterans Day, dang near every radio station in the country is playing it, you know, and it's because it's had that kind of an impact on people. And so a lot of songs like that, you know, and songs that, um, that, 
that you know through a word, more of a word of mouth kind of thing become you know a fan favorite that uh, as opposed to you know just call me once and nobody wins in Texas in 1880 will big old hit on the road. You know, <laughs> yeah. I got to play those or they're going to riot. You know, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. You know, but but there are those that the just over the years have just they've collected followers. You know, from from word of mouth and from concerts and stuff like that. It's amazing how a song, and that's really a true testament to the power of the song, is is that it can take on a life of its own without the traditional, you know, radio push or without sure. the social media push. It really lends itself to your ability as a songwriter to be able to grab people. And I want to take a moment because on your website, they, they mentioned one of the things that is a goal of yours when you're writing, whether it's your work as an author or your work as a songwriter, is to peek into that person's living room to get their point of view, to really be able to yeah. drive that point home. How, how do you do that? Like, is that something that you consciously stumbled across early on in your career that you had that ability or is that something you had to really work for and make an effort to attain that ability i i think it's a little of both um i think you have um you start writing songs because you 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 think you have something to say or or you want to impress a girl or you know whatever it is (laughs) you're you know a kid but early on um you know when i was in foster and lloyd uh, we got a chance to write with Guy Clark. And it was very obvious that he took a very different approach than to to songwriting than like, well, here's a title and an idea. wonder if we can make a song out of this. And and certainly we had written things that were personal to us and, and that had, had some deeper meaning. But, you know, he was really going after that deeper meaning every step of the way and how much not only was that you know the song written but then rewritten and and always asking ourselves well how does how do you feel about that or how would you know or tell a story he you know, to say i had this friend when i was in high you know all of those things that it was really about digging around in your memories and digging around in your soul and digging around in in, in your relationships and being honest, you know, about it. And that really made a big impression on me. And I think from that point forward, I knew that that had to be something that I had to pay attention to and to sort of cultivate, you know, sort of, sort of dig in a little harder. Now, one of my, one of the things I love asking accomplished songwriters is about especially folks you know i had the opportunity to talk to aaron watson here a couple weeks back and i want to ask you the same thing i asked him about uh about staying motivated to continue to put out material and to continue to go back to the drawing board and and write um you know anybody that's had the career that you've had man they can (laughs) they can look back on your career and go yep i sure I, i did it um but you have no interest in slowing down and i kind of want to get into your brain a little bit and and you know tell me a little bit about how you what gets you going every day you know from when you get out of bed you know here's another day what is it that keeps you motivated i think it's the ability to tell a story i mean and i and i've really expanded the way in which i get to do that you know writing a book of writing for you to see the stars the book you know that went along with the record um really sort of blew my brain up in a way, you know, I, 
I ended up writing a short story because I got laryngitis so bad I couldn't speak for six weeks. And that was terrifying, you know. And so I, I literally wrote a note to my wife saying, hey, I'm going to write a short story to keep me going crazy. And she didn't, she didn't answer me. She lifted the pen out of my hands and wrote down on the same piece of paper, you should because you're driving me crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, but, and I wish I still had that piece of paper, but I don't. But um, the, uh, you know, that just made me sort of rethink, how do I do this? How do I tell that story? Is it better told as a song? Is it better told as a song? And then it has a story attached to it. Is it better told? You know, and then since then, my wife and I took one of the short stories and have written a screenplay based on that um short story and it's in development we're working with some producers out of hollywood and um and i'm writing music for the the script so that's a whole nother way of telling telling a story you know and um and it's cool to get to you know i've had lots of music that's been in movies but that was because someone came to me and said hey i think this song's perfect for that law never sort of like Oh, I'm going to write something for this slot that's, you know, germane to the story that absolutely is written for the film. So that's been really fun, and it's you know, and it's the first time my wife and I've been able to collaborate as writers. She's been a, a journalist and a and a edit magazine editor for decades, you know. So it's been really fun. Now, when you talk about transitioning from you know the the songwriting world into the short story world, I, I take a, I look at a song like, for example, like Texas in eighteen eighty. You've got the story arc. You're kind of like, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of limited in sort of how many different twists and turns and things you can put into a story when you're just looking at verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You know, you, that story arc is right. almost limited, but with a short story, you can kind of expand on that. What's your writing process going into maybe sitting down to write the story aspect of it? What changes and what are those adjustments that you have to make going into that creative process? Yeah, I, you have to look at, at, at what you can do that expands the story if you've already written the song. But in some of the cases, you know, I hadn't written the song. I just had an idea for a short story, you know, and I thought, ah, and then I'd have to go, well, I got to figure out what's the, what's the song that goes with it, you know? Um, and, uh, and how do you, you know, uh, condense it into, into, you know, like you say, three minutes or three and a half. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's, it's a good example from the book, uh, is, uh, I wrote the song first called, uh, Sycamore Creek. And it really takes place, the three different verses, you know, you get to jump time, you know, big, huge swaths of time. It starts with this high, you know, just after high school boy and girl, skinny dipping, in a creek, and then um, the next scene is, you know, seven, eight years later, and, you know, about a guy who's been successful as a guitar player, and they they meet again, only briefly. And then the third is about, you know, she's in a bad marriage and getting the hell knocked out of her, and he comes and finds her and gives her enough money to run away, you know. And so that's a really big 15-year 
you know, 20 year expanse of time. And so my short story, I just wrote about their senior year in high school. What happens before they're skinny dipping in that creek, you know? That's and, uh, and about this story of these kids are all playing music in a band together when they're in high school. That's, that's amazing that you can have that sort of, that long arc in, in such a condensed period of it. But that's, you know, that's the mark of, of, of excellent songwriting is being able to tell yeah, that it's, story. It's also me trying to, co- you know, listen to guys like, like, like Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt and Rodney Crowell, who, you know, I mean, how, how many years takes place in Poncho and Lefty? Who oh, knows? Oh my gosh. But, it, it, but it's gotta be a couple of decades, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's just trying to think of those, of things in those ways. Um, and, and yet, you know, if you, wrote something about that was, you know, relevant to the time period. Like I said, I just wrote about what happened beforehand. And if you wrote something that was about during that, you would end up with a whole novel. You know, you'd end up with a, a, a much longer book uh, than, you know, because you're, you're, you're covering so much more territory. Now, I want to ask you real quick before I let you go, um, we're, uh, you're celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Del Rio, Texas, 1959, that record. And that record, obviously, has been a huge success for you. Take me back to the writing, uh, you know, pre-production, you know, getting into the studio to maybe demo some of these songs. Did you ever imagine in your mind that that record would turn into what it is, what it is now when you were making it? No. I mean, we were just trying to make a good record, you know. I mean, that's, that's what everybody's doing, but you're... I'm, I'm 32 years old, you know, I've left a band and, uh, trying to start a solo career. And I just knew I wanted to make a, an honest to God, traditional country record, but with a rock and roll attitude, not necessarily a rock and roll sound, you know, that I wanted to sound like a traditional country record, but that it had to have that attitude to it. Um, and, and so, you know, we were just, I was trying to write really good songs and really personal songs and, and put together the best record I could. Um, the pre-production, I'll tell you one story that's really pretty cool was, you know, I had talked with Arista, you know, my, my record label. And I said, there's a guy who's, he's green. He's, he's, you know, really well known as a player uh, Steve Fischel, he had been, you know, Emmy Lou Harris's uh, pedal steel player in the Hot Band for ten years, and he had played on a ton of people's records, and he had been in Commander Cody and Lost Planet Airmen. I mean, he was really legendary steel player, but he'd only um, produced a couple of indie records, you know, nothing for a major label, nothing that had major success. But I dug what he was doing and way and what he was and the way that he was thinking. And so I went to Ariston and I said, Hey, can, and, and Tim Dubois, who was the head of the record label at the time, said, Yeah, sure. Let's just go do some demos and see if, you know, if it's simpatico and if it works out. Go, you know, go cut four or five pre production demos and then bring them to me. And we did. And of course, that made Steve nervous because, you know, he's just like, Do I have a job or don't I? You know, and, <laughs> and uh, but, uh, we, one of the songs uh, that we cut that day was Nobody Wins. And we went and we're playing, and 
Tim's face was lighting up on every song, but then we got to Nobody Wins, the fourth song in the pile. And when he turned that off, he said, there's absolutely no reason to go cut that song again. That's a hit record. He said, you just need to add, you know, a couple of sweeteners to it. Think about this and think about that. That's and, a, but he was like, that's a record. That's amazing, because like, you know, with pre-production, you're really just, you're going in to do, kind of, you're not necessarily polishing up those tunes with the, no, with the bells no, and whistles. It just says like, here's, here, let's see if we can make the kind of sounds we want to make. And, you know, we cut four songs in one day. We spent half a day overdubbing, you know, vocals and stuff like that, and a half a day mixing them. We spent two days in the studio, you know, top to bottom in a little studio, you know, finishing up four songs. And one of them is like, there's no, you're not going to beat that. That's, that is just, you got pocket for days, it's danceable, the melody's great, your singing was great, you just need to add the, you know. Well, and for we literally added one other guitar pass, and, um, and I think we added B3, and and Mary Chapin and Carpenter's background vocals. It, it just for context, if there's some, if there's maybe someone who's a who's a you know a, an artist or a, or a producer or something. This is pre digital audio workspace. This oh, is yeah. There's no no no, yeah. no. We were dealing with tape. Yeah, everything was on tape. This is cutting <laughs> yeah. tape, and this was done in in two days. That that's in that's incredible. That I mean, for yeah, some the very fact that you would get you know that you could get a song like Nobody Wins period, start to finish. If that was the only thing you accomplished in two days, that would be a home run. And that's, you know, that's um, absolutely the most played song of my career. Um, it's still played on the radio today. I mean, and, and, you know, the, it was the second most played ASCAP song um, the year it came out in 90, as a single. And then in 94, it was, your audience won't understand this, but you will. It was the most played recurrent, which means it was played even more than the year it came out. It got played two years later more than the year it came out. That's a, well, and even recently it got another big boost. And I, I wanted to, I'm glad this popped into my head again because I wanted to ask you about this. But BJ Barham and American Aquarium took. Oh, yeah. No, but, yeah. yeah. It got played all over again. All over. I'll Spotify. bet. And Apple Music, which is pretty great. I'll bet you're pretty happy. Well, and especially with a with with a guy like BJ, who definitely has that that core respect for the art and the craft of writing. And a oh, guy, yeah, I, and I, I'm a fan of those guys. I just thought it was cool. I was like, oh, you know, I've I've never met those guys personally, but I, you know, I thanked him online uh, through whatever I forget which social media it was. But you know, he said, "Are you kidding, man? That's like one of my favorite songs." He said. He's gonna have a talk with his fifteen-year-old self, telling that Rodney Foster is talking to him. You know, well, if, which is kind of fun. Well, if I could have a conversation with my fifteen-year-old self and tell him I'm interviewing Radney Foster on the radio, he would he'd be beside himself too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Radney Foster, of course, uh, folks can see you and Darden Smith uh, at the Barnhill Center in Brenham, seven o'clock this Saturday. Um, Radney, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to to talk uh, with me this afternoon. Yeah, it was it was a blast, and hey, everybody get tickets because this is going to be a really fun show. A lot of laughter, a lot of lot of great songs, and uh, 
and you know it's a it's a it's a cool format. It's it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a great time. Let's sell this thing out, Radney Foster. Thank you again. Pleasure's all mine, man. All right, man. There you have it. Radney Foster joining us here on the Texas Country Sessions. What a great time. Great conversation with uh, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, You can check out uh, Radney and Darden Smith live at the Barnhill Center in Brenham, Texas on Saturday, November 5th, 7 o'clock show. uh, Tickets as of Thursday, 11-3, still available. So just a few remain. So if you're hearing this before Saturday and you're within a, a day's drive or so of Brenham, come on down and check out Radney Foster and Darden Smith at the Barnhill Center in Brenham, Texas. That's going to do it for this episode of the Texas Country Sessions. Hope you had a great time. I always do. Make sure you uh, like, share, subscribe, rate the podcast, give us five stars, whatever you feel, and uh, it helps uh, spread the word. So like I said, the Aaron Watson episode had the most downloads we've ever had. So keep the trend going. This is uh, a lot of fun to do. So uh, go like, share, subscribe, rate, and all that fun stuff. You can follow me on socials uh, at Dean, Twitter, and Instagram. Take it easy. We'll catch you on the next one.